Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. In this week's episode, we are going to be reviewing World Wonders. And again, if you've been paying attention, you know that that was one of my anticipated games from Gen Con. And if you listen to our Gen Con recap, it was a game I was unable to acquire because they had sold out the 500 copies almost instantly. So uh, we happen to have a local friend who works at a local game store here. His name's Jeff, and he lent me his copy for far longer than anyone should ever lend anyone a copy of a game. I've had that thing for a long time, <laughs> and I keep I keep messaging him. I'm like, "Hey, is it cool if I still hold on to this?" He's like, "Yeah, man, don't worry about it." I'm like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> like it would normally be fine to hold on to a game for a month or two, like not a big deal. But it's a brand new game. I don't think he's played it yet, has he? I don't think so. No, <laughs> I. <laughs> at the time of borrowing it, uh, I think he was like going camping. So, like, I just, yeah, I don't know. I feel kind of bad. I need to get in that game. But I wanted to get some plays in it. You and I finally had a chance to sit down and play it ourselves together. So we're going to be reviewing that game. And then in the discussion topic, I'm excited. I'm excited for more tea that Natasha is going to be spilling. She's going to be doing part two of her toxic board gaming traits or top ten toxic board gaming traits. She's going to be doing five through one. And I thought ten through six were spicy. (laughs) <laughs> Apparently, five through one is going to be just like on a whole different level. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Expect her to be heated, to like get get real loud, all that stuff. So, and you you might disagree with one or two of them. There are Me, little, what I think, like the community, I can think of a few of our friends that are going to strongly disagree with my first one. But like within our, like, are you about to alienate yourself from our entire like board gaming group? Uh, no, it's all known. It's all no. Nobody's going to be surprised, but they're Got just going to disagree with me. They're just going to think I'm wrong about this. Well, yeah. I mean, we think you're wrong about a lot of different things. So, like, why would this be any different? Right. Yeah. Um, I haven't alienated people yet. I mean, it's, I, I don't of. know. I don't get it. Like, I don't understand how you haven't yet, honestly. I'm sure I have. I just don't realize it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. See, the problem is it's not necessarily a problem, but the thing is, like you will sometimes say stuff to people like you'll be like, it's your turn. Take your turn. And like you'll get like real. I don't want to say mean or aggressive, but you get very like, hey, it's your turn. Take your turn. Like quit. Quit like being distracted. Get your head in the game and let's play this game. And people are like, oh, OK. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks for thanks for putting me on the straight and narrow, Natasha. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Or like if you did that, you'd be considered a jerk. Yeah. Yep. It's just uh Yeah, see, it's 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 the way you it's the way you say it, you know? I think I think it's okay to to tell people like get their stuff together, like no more of these bad behaviors. You can do it in a way that doesn't alienate people. Yeah, I mean you can. Apparently like I can't. Like at this point you can't teach an old dog new tricks. So I'm going to just basically be the same way I've always I think been. the trick is to be nice. That's it. Just be nice. <laughs> be nice I don't when know you say that you things. can do that. <laughs> I know for we've had we actually had this discussion recently about like me and joking around because I'm almost never serious. I'm always I'm practically always joking around. But the problem is I keep my affect so like flat and I always look serious and it's like. Well, your it, humor it, is sarcastic too, so people don't always realize that. <laughs> right? Just... Yeah. If you don't, if you don't, 
if you can't get sarcasm, we're probably not going to get along. But like, I'm so like, I have such a stern, like serious face, like on people are like, Bob's not joking. And I remember telling you this, I go, listen, I'm pretty much always joking. Except if I'm trying to like legit make a point and be like, bring something up. I always have to preface it with, I'm not joking. I'm not joking about this right now. Like, this is a thing. Otherwise, people are like, ah, he's just joking. No. In this particular case, I'm not. I'm warning you. I'm giving you, you know, I'm letting you know serious Bob is is on right now. Either that or I have to, like, afterwards start laughing or do a little, like, if it's text, little LOL or a little smiley happy face. Well, yeah. Sometimes when you say something, you'll say something mean to me, totally sarcastic, but it comes across as a real jerk. Like I'm like people are gonna think you're an enhanced. Like you gotta like not say that. So so when you say that, then I'd laugh. Like ah, he's kidding. He's not really a jerk. <laughs> Defend laughing at your dumb joke just so people don't think you're a jerk. And first of all, my jokes aren't dumb. They're hilarious and awesome. I'm telling you that right now. Don't even dare tell me my jokes are dumb. I mean, some of them are okay. Yeah, I don't. We do have a friend who does loves his dad jokes. <laughs> um so I, I don't do dad jokes but i'm very sarcastic in a lot of different ways and if i'm not teasing you then i probably don't like you like that's <laughs> my the way i let people know hey you're cool in my book is i start, <laughs> I start teasing you about that's stuff. why we're friends <laughs> you need that negative attention we've talked about this yeah. i think the love languages are totally 100 percent they're stupid However, if I had a love language, my love language would be teasing and being made fun of. I love it. And nothing makes me feel more loved and like cared about and noticed than somebody teasing me about anything, no matter what. It doesn't even matter. Just like just a little little teasing. You notice something about me and it's pointing it out. And I think it's funny. Yeah, that I don't know, man. I like I said, my gift, my thing is, you know, gift receiving. If you want to show me that you like me, I need it. You need to get me a gift, and I'm still waiting on a birthday present from you. By the way. Okay. All right. I'm working on it. Are you though? Are you no, though? I put no effort into it. I was you gonna say, get, like, you don't lie to me. Your birthday cut. It'll be a surprise because you don't know when it'll come. Because it'll come never is what I'm hearing. Oh, maybe if one day if I see something that makes me think of you, I'll buy it. But I'm not doing this every year. Like, it's a surprise. Like, okay. I saw something, I'll buy it for you, and it's a gift, and then that's it. We're done for a while. Until... I don't like the pressure of birthday gifts or Christmas. I hate Christmas. I hate gifts in general. Christmas is, like, the best time. Like, I still, it still boggles my mind that you are, like, I hate Christmas, and I hate. Is it, the, what is it specifically about gift giving that you don't like? Like, what, what is it that turns you away from it? The, the obligation. <laughs> Um, especially like, I like giving people gifts who like, who have things that like things I know that they like and would appreciate and value. Like I enjoy that, but like most Mm -hmm. people in my life, like they have everything they want and if they want something, they'll buy it. So what am I doing? I'm looking for something that they just to buy them something that they don't even actually want. Like, I don't like that. I think it's just, I don't like receiving like stuff i don't really want like you know i just don't like it well you also don't like stuff you're not like stuff, stuff. First, yeah. yeah you like less stuff the better I yeah think so yeah. i i just feel pressured to 
buy people things. I, you know, and I, I like gifts. I like giving gifts if I can find something really meaningful that they would enjoy that they hadn't thought of, you know, and I, I enjoy that when I can find a gift that makes me think of them. But most of the time, like Christmas and birthdays, it's just so much pressure. Like you're forced to do it. I gotta go through the whole list and think of things to give everybody. I don't like giving bad gifts, you know, but I, mm-hmm. I mean, I certainly mm-hmm. have, I'm not good at it, but. If I recall, didn't you buy Max a gift that was basically just a game you wanted to play? Yeah, but I thought he'd want to play it too. That's, did he want to play it? He, he called actually, you out on it, right? Didn't he call you out on it? He did. He didn't like it, but I didn't <laughs> yes. know that. I thought he would like it. I wouldn't have bought it for him if I didn't think he'd like it. Did he like it or no? I don't remember the game, no, honestly. it was but... Turning Point. Or uh, Turning Machine, I mean. Turning oh, machine. yeah, that POS game i hate that game so much yeah it's just a little too too much for him yeah that game is awful um just you know we've we reviewed it and i played it and it's awful i don't remember what i gave it but it's the the worst all right enough of that how about we get in some uh some board games huh let's talk about a board game so this week i want to talk about world wonders this is a polyomino game designed by z mendez art is by odysseus stagmoglu and Tom Ventra, and it is published by Arcane Wonders. So in this game, players are going to be great leaders of the past building their ancient city. Players will be taking turns using their gold to purchase and place building tiles as well as monuments and wonders. This game is going to be played through at most 10 rounds, or the game can finish early if one of the players has increased their population enough. During each round, players will have 7 gold that they can spend on building tiles and monuments. In turn order, each player can make one purchase, which will continue until everyone is out of gold. Depending on the player count, there's going to be a selection of tiles available to buy. There are going to be five building types that you can buy. Libraries, farms, habitations, markets, and temples. After you buy the tile, you will place it in your city, following a few placement rules. These buildings will will do several things. They will increase one of the three tracks on your board, which are food, ceramic, gears, which in turn will increase your population track, which can end the game early and score you points. The other reason to buy and place these tiles is so you can construct wonders and monuments. These types of structures do not have a printed cost on them. Their cost is your remaining gold. So you kind of want to wait to buy them so you don't overspend on them, but that also means somebody else could snag it before you. Uh, Wonders and monuments will have specific building restrictions on them. So for example, the aqueduct needs to be placed next to water, a road, and a habitation, uh, habitation building. It also needs to start and stop on a land and cross at least one water space. That is, for the most part, the game. When the game ends, players will score points based on their population track, the least produced resource they have, all of their monuments they have built, any natural resource spots they did not cover up on their board, and finally, any building tiles that they have surrounded. Player with the most points wins. I think what makes this game fun, honestly, is those wonders. There's just this cool aesthetic that you have when you're when you acquire those wooden like wonders and you're adding them to your board. So the tiles are just these flat tiles that you're just placing throughout your board. You're making, you know, this city and then you get these big chunky wooden pieces that you can put onto your board and it just gives this cool 3D kind of dynamic to your board. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fine. I mean, fine. Um what I think makes this game interesting really is the mechanic about building the wonders. You want to try, you get, you only are, you're limited to what's out there. There's like three out there when we were playing. Mm-hmm. 
is it three for even a four-player game? Yeah, always three tiles sitting out. Yep. So it was nice in a two-player game because you could you could see all three of them. You had a pretty good chance of like I could see what you were gonna what you could build and what you couldn't build, what was available, what I could end up getting. So you want to buy you want to buy as much as you possibly can get so you have one money left. Once you have one money left, you want to buy that wonder. But I've been a, a it's hurt me before because you've bought it before me. So you definitely, I like the dynamic between getting in as much stuff as you can, but getting to that wonder that you need as quickly as you can. And I think building that wonder at the end of your turn is what makes the game interesting. Yeah, it's it's building up to get these wonders. So you're you're constantly looking at what the market is and then trying to manipulate your board in some way to build one. Because a good chunk of your points are probably going to come from that. There's going to mm-hmm. be a lot of other ways to get points. And at most, there's 10 rounds. So if you want to get in as many as you can, there's gonna there potentially could be rounds in which you can't build one. And that could be detrimental because it's not a high-scoring game. You're not scoring in the hundreds. So a couple no. points here, a couple points there is going to what what ultimately going to win you the game, you know? Yeah, and we had a really, really close game. So you really needed those wonders. Those wonders are going to give you one or two points, which is, you know, you really needed those. A, a few other points you can score throughout the game. but Getting those out there is going to earn you points. You're going to go up these tracks, to a few other ways to get points that way. You want to get all your tracks up as high as you can because you score the lowest one. So you've got that dynamic of like, okay, I need this building to build this wonder, but I need this building to get up the track. Well, you know, is somebody else going to build that wonder? Do I take the building now and hope I can still get the wonder? You know, so you've got a few different choices. And I think it's really, that's what makes it really interesting. I think... At its core, it's a fairly simple game. You grab a tile, you place it down. It's got some complicated restrictions with tile placement that are a little bit unique and not very intuitive. So I don't think it's a very simple game. It is a very simple game. I think for like gamers, it'll it's very light and, and pretty simple, but it's not, I wouldn't say it's a welcoming game because of all of the unique rules in there. But I think it's still unique and challenging. And I like that a lot. I like that it feels very different. Yeah, I didn't go into the placement rules partly because they're somewhat, they can be somewhat weird because you have your board and three sides of it is encased in like mountains and then you have a sidewalk. You can, one of the things you can buy as opposed to buying building tiles are roads and these roads allow you to expand and buildings can only be built next to roads or other buildings of the same type. And then you need to make sure you're enclosing them because if you enclose them, then they're going to score you points. So there are some there's some slightly wonky rules with that stuff. Like there's a little tower that you can also buy that allows you to expand your road system. So sometimes you might end up trapping yourself and then you have to buy one of these towers and a tower can go next to another played building. So you basically put it there and then a road can connect to that building. So there's there's these little nuanced things with it. I know like the first game you and I played together, Mm-hmm. Uh, you won initially, and it was, I think you won, what was it? like? It won by one point. It was literally yeah. one point. Yeah, it was like 41 to, it was like 31 to 30. And then she was like, as we're cleaning up, you look down, you're just like, oh, I cheated. And then you had to pull a couple tiles back, which ended mm-hmm. up costing you two points. Yep. You know, and then the second time we played, we tied and it came down to the tiebreaker. So it was still like relative. They're relatively close games. You know, it was very close. Yeah. I think this game is interesting in the fact that 
it's a lot thinkier than what you think you're going to be getting into when you start playing this game. Yeah. Because you have to consider all these little things. Like in my overview, I talked about the aqueduct. There was a lot of restrictions going on with that. Next to water, next to a road, next to a certain building type. The one end, need, both ends need to be anchored to ground. And then you need to cover at least one water space. That like That is a lot of little things to keep track of. Mm-hmm. And you got to make sure you got room on your board to put it. And it has to probably be next to some kind of building of some tor- sort, you know. A lot of them have to be next to certain types of buildings. So really the buildings are pushing you up the tracks, but you're you're placing them in such a way that you're able to take advantage of building some of the wonders on the that you have on the display. Mm-hmm. I think like I can't I'm kind of comparing it to Wild Child West because we learned that game around the same time and it feels like the same complexity. They're both tile laying games. Mm-hmm. They're similar to each other in their their weight. However, Wild Child West, I think the rules makes sense that because of the theme it helps with mm-hmm. the rules this there's a theme you're building the world wonders but it's very abstracted like the rules within the game don't make any sense thematically you're obviously you're building all the world wonders on your little board that makes no sense you know yeah. you said to place them next to these certain buildings so the theme is fine it doesn't bother me at all you know i think the little pieces of the world wonders are kind of cutesy i like it but it just makes it a little bit complex for what it is and for me that's completely fine but it's certainly not going to be one that i would teach to it, it's got the weight of something i would teach to a new person getting into gaming but the rules i think make it a little tricky to do that yeah especially with those with the placement of the wonders and monuments it's it's trickier than it first lets on i do I, it is interesting that there's no cost and you have to just you know, you pay whatever remaining. So there's that when timing element of when do I take this thing that I've been working towards. But like you said, in a in let's say a two player game, I see what you have on your board. You see what I have on my board, so I can kind of tell like you are not going for this thing. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So now you and I are fighting over buying the tiles on the board, and we're fighting over the roads and the tower because you need to expand your network. If you don't, you're just not going to be able to build stuff because it's that restricting. Uh, where you can build your buildings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thematically, this game is, it's, I mean, it's a theme and you're building stuff, but like at the end of the day, there's really not a lot of theme. Like I'm not going to have the pyramids of Giza and the lighthouse of Alexandria in the city. Like they don't like exist next to each other, mm-hmm. but you can build that on your board, right? Yeah. So like, that's fun. The components make it nice. You know, the art makes it nice. It's, 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 Completely fine. Like, I'm not complaining about the theme at all. I'm just saying it doesn't help teach the game because it doesn't make sense thematically. Right, sure. Something like Wild Tiled West is slightly more intuitive just because mm-hmm. it, it uses theme to explain rule concepts. Yeah, which I think is interesting. So, But I like this game. I still really like it. I think it's well produced. It's it's interesting and different. I love tiling. This does it completely different than I've seen before. It's got really simple mechanics. You know, everyone is familiar with the, you know, price market. This is building cost this. This building cost this. You know, it's nothing that's interesting about that. But it just all kind of comes together in a really nice little puzzle. Do you think the game is tight because what i've often found is you start off so you start off each round with seven gold to spend you can take a loan which will allow you to get an, an extra two gold but you have to if you pay it back later it costs three and if you don't you lose two victory points 
I know I've often found myself saying, man, I really wish I had a couple extra gold I, or an extra gold for this so I could buy this other thing that I, that I really want. So you're, you, you feel like the economy of the game is tight. I, I didn't feel that way, like it was tight as in painful, but it was it was tight as in choices. I could either get this building or I could buy, build this wonder for sure. Yep. But I liked it. I thought it worked really well. And it, I was able to still build a lot of wonders, so it still felt really satisfying. And I was able to surround a lot of my buildings. So I was able to do a lot that I wanted to do. So I thought I thought it was fun and challenging. This game is a more challenging puzzle of putting your tiles down than a lot of normal polyomino games. Because you're constantly trying to think ahead of how you can keep your stuff open enough to place wonders, but close it so you can score points. Mm-hmm. What are you going to rate the game? I'm coming in at a nine. I really liked it. I like polyomino games. I like tile laying games. I like puzzly games. I like themeless, abstract games. Totally fine. Don't bother me. I really liked it. Yeah, I'm coming in at an eight. I, I enjoyed Wild Tiled West better. Just because the the way that game kind of came together for me, I, I just liked it a little bit better. But I like this game. And it in some ways it feels like our review is us kind of complaining about some of the some of the stuff. I think it's more and I don't think it's that. I think it's us saying, hey, this game is not as simple as it might look. You know, an mm-hmm. Arcane Wonders game, and I'm not trying to say that they produce stuff that's, you know, more simple, but it's they they tend to be more welcoming games. Right, mm-hmm. especially like the Dice Tower of Central lines, those games typically are going to be the way of, you know, welcoming, welcoming plus. Yep. But something like this, I don't know. I would struggle to teach it to new players because there's just so many things you need to think about. It's such a complex puzzle on on putting your stuff out because you're always thinking, okay, like like how many times did you and I play? Say, oh man, if wait, hold on, hold on, I need it. Like I just bought a tile and I placed it. Hold on, I need a I need it. I I messed up. I need to put it somewhere else. Hold on a second. Yeah. Because like we're looking at that one and you're like, oh, I can't place it here now because it won't be touching two of the two of these buildings and I need it to Mm -hmm. touch these two buildings. So because of that, like I think it's it's more complicated or it's more puzzly than what it first lets out. Yeah, I think it's definitely it's still a medium weight game. It's not complicated or it's not too complicated or like difficult or anything by that, you know. At all, I don't want people to think that it's some kind of heavy game. It's not. It's a light game, but it's it's got a lot to think about and a lot of rules to follow. And because of the two things, it, it does make it a little bit more challenging to play, and, and in a good way. I like it. Yeah, I I do too. I, I mean, I came in an eight. I think it's a I think it's a solid game. It just I think Wild Tile West just sings a little bit better, and part of the reason why. I'm bringing that up as we obviously just reviewed it last week. So it's still fresh, you know, playing these two games because we kind of just played them together. So we kind of had a feel about how both um, comparing to each other. Um, So who's this game for? If like if you like polyomino games, it's a popular genre. If you like polyomino games, if you like that sort of like puzzly nature of things, I think this is a pretty solid pickup. I think the aesthetic of the game is really cool. I really like the 3D aspect of it. I think something like that really helps the game just because it looks cool. And obviously there's tracks too. So like, you know, I'm going to like moving up tracks. Oh, yeah. So yeah, if you like all those sorts of things, I think, you know, this is a pretty solid game. A good game by Arcane Wonders. That is World Wonders. 
And that is going to be the game we are viewing this week. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to revisit or we are going to talk about Natasha's top 10 toxic gaming traits. And we're going to be doing five through one. Okay, welcome back. Next up, we're going to talk about, we're going to do this. The second half of my top 10 most toxic, egregious, problematic, offensive things that board gamers do that I think is damaging the board game community. I'm so excited for this list. I'm so excited for five through one. I enjoyed 10 through six. And I can't uh-huh. even imagine what five through one is going to be. Uh, I, they weren't even they weren't even um, controversial at all. I don't think were they? You agreed with everything I said. Uh, yeah, for the most part, I think there was the f- number ten, which you kind of talked about, which was like the the snacking board gamer or whatever. The I, food I police. The food police, yes, something like that. Like I don't police food, but I like to sleeve my cards. Yeah. So yeah. there's that give and take, that push and pull. But for the most part, I think I agreed with a lot of them. Okay. So I'm curious to see if I'm going to agree with them now. I might alienate some people from here, from with this list. But continue. I'm, I am here for it. You spill your tea, girl. I'm here for you. Uh, I will say this. If, you're, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, go listen to 10 through 6 before you listen to this list. You need to know yeah. the context of what we talked about before, before you come on in to this yeah. guy. Yeah. All right, let's do this. What do we got? What is number five? Okay, number five. I, I, I might get a little bit of pushback on this one. From like, me or just in general? Just in general. Like, okay. I think this is important to a lot of people. But we're going to call them the rules follower. Now, I get that you have to follow the rules to a board game. Fine. Okay. Not okay. talking about board gaming rules. I'm talking about... Like, well, I am talking about board gaming rules. Like, if you want to follow rules in life, like, that's fine. You should do that. But, like, when we're playing a board game, the whole point is to have fun, right? If the rules are not helping you have fun, then you can change them. That's allowed. And some of that, and, like, I'm not suggesting you change rules on board games to do whatever you want. I'm What I'm talking about is when somebody's like, all right, I'm all done with my turn. Oh, hold on. I forgot to do something. Or, oh, I forgot to take my coin for that. Or, oh, I'm going to do this. Like forgetting all that stuff and going, oh, no, no, you didn't do it on your turn or no going back or just being so strict that you're taking away other people's fun. That I don't like. I see what you're saying. And I think there is an appropriate allotment of time. Normally, I'm cool with it because you, I mean, we've talked to death about the Natasha turn and that is, this should be your number one because of how often you do this. Where you're going to be just like, oh, wait, hold on, hold on. I messed up. Let me move this thing or whatever. And it, like 99 times out of 100, I don't care. Like, whatever, just read, just, you know, do your thing, that sort of, you know. Oh, I forgot mm-hmm. to grab this tile or I want to place it in a different spot. Like, we all do that. It's when it depends on how long it's been. So if you've taken your turn and then somebody else has taken their turn and then it's the next player's turn after that. And you're like, oh, wait, 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 wait. That might be a little too much. To like rearrange anything with the components. If you just forgot to grab a couple gold, just take the couple gold. I don't care. Yeah. But if you're just like, if it could potentially have affected other people's decisions, like you took a card you didn't want to take, and you're like, oh wait, it was the wrong card. Like that's a little. It's been too mo- too long. 
for sure there is a time limit there and usually it's it it depends on what the action is and how much has changed but and it's not as high on my list because even though you give me grief about it you allow it all the time and most of our friends allow it nobody in that we really play regularly with is that strict about it some of the other things that i think of when i think of the rules follower is somebody who maybe in a game like like terraforming mars where there's achievements if i'm playing with somebody who's newer to the game or even not i might make a comment oh shoot you're gonna beat me to that achievement not because um not just because like i'm bummed that they're gonna beat me but to remind them that they have earned that before i did and they can grab it because it's not it's not it's a lot to learn a board game and it's a lot to keep track of everything and you shouldn't penalize people because they forgot to take claim like an achievement that they've earned first so things like that i think you need to be gracious and remind people that they can go ahead and and it's they earned it first they can claim it first now if you're playing a strict game by all means if you're playing a really competitive game with all people that know what they're doing then by all means ignore this but usually when you're playing games it's for fun and it should be you should be thinking of everyone else's fun, not just your own, and making sure that that they're feeling like they're playing their best as well. There's almost like this ridiculous competitive nature to people who are just like, no, your turn's done. Like, you didn't do it during your turn, you're not going to do it. I remember we were at an event, I'm not going to say which one, and I sat down, This was you were not involved in this. I sat down and I played a game with some folks, and there was two people in particular, and they were they were partners. I don't know if they were married or anything like that, but she had done a move. It moved into his turn. He's like, okay. And he's about to start his turn. And she's just like, oh, wait, hold on a second. I messed something up. I want, like, I was supposed to do this. My bad. Can I take that back? And he looked at her dead straight in her face and goes, no, your turn's done. (gasps) And I was like, because he said that. And I was like, "I, I go, listen, I don't care. Like it hasn't, I don't, it's not affecting anybody. He hasn't taken his turn yet. Like he technically he had started his turn, but he had not actually done anything. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it like, he's just like, well, that's going to, and it was like a simple game, you know, I think it was like seven wonders architects or something stupid. And I was just like, dude, it's like, it's not that big of a deal. And it's not like she revealed a card or something like that. I think she had flipped one of her segments and it was like three that she could have done like something like that it was just weird it was wonky i was like i i honestly don't care but he was like no i think part of it is that competitive nature you know Mm -hmm. yeah you can't be that competitive it's not fun to destroy people i don't understand that like be competitive but let but if people earn it they should get it you know just because they forgot to do something or didn't think of something or like i the reason why i do the Natasha turn so often it's because I play so quickly I take my turn and then I think about it and I'm like oh I guess I should have done it differently but like I would rather catch it on the back end than spend time ahead of time and I know not everybody agrees with that you want to play long games where you take think about everything you're going to do fine but we'll just won't we'll play different games there I've known people who have played a game incorrectly and then because of that they've said I want to play that we need to restart this game because it's not it's not actually how the game is supposed to be played. Yeah, and no. like there was one time I messed up on a game and I really wanted to know if I liked the game and it had gone on. It was Reef. And like I think in Reef, you you 
to end the game, you do a certain amount of cards. I don't remember exactly. And I think I hadn't taken any cards out and the game was long as I'll get out. And I was like, oh man. And I was like, do you guys mind if we just restart? Because I really want to know how this game truly feels as opposed to just like, that's the only time I can think of. Like, I know there's another game, Welkin. You're supposed to take out a certain amount of victory point tokens and I didn't. So the game lasted Mm -hmm. way longer than it needed to. But, you know, something like that, I don't care. It's funny you bring up the achievement thing because how often is somebody's like, all right, I got this achievement. And then you look down, you're like, oh, wait, I got it too. Mm -hmm. And you're like, "Uh, I don't know when I got it. Yeah. You know, but then you're just the two of you claim it or whatever. You know, it just it is what it is like. Yeah, it's it okay. is what it is. Yeah, it's, it's the the rules are not worth following to the detriment of people's fun. That's all I'll yeah. say. Like, be gracious. Let people take their turns back because who cares? Even if they win the game or like they take back their move and now you can't do the thing you wanted it to do. Who cares? Who cares? It's supposed to be fun. And the thing is, well, oftentimes when you're playing that game and something like that, like somebody, it recently happened with us. Somebody just like, I cheated. I did this thing. I shouldn't have been able to do it. Mm-hmm. It was like a turn or two ago. And we're like, okay, like how can we make this right? Because it's not like we can go back and redo everything. So mm-hmm. then eventually like it was a thing that costed resources. So he w- he did have the resources available. So he ended up just paying it and being done. I think I don't remember exactly what it was, but either way, we're like, all right, you're going to, you're going to, you know, just basically pay for all this stuff and we're just going to continue moving on. Cause yeah. at this point, like there's no, there's no sense in like bogging the game down because of it. Like let's just move forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't think those things are a big deal. Even if it, even, you know, even sometimes when you do something before you should have, yeah, you were able to do it sooner. So you're probably going to do better in the game than you would have if you had played it by the rules. Oops. Like, who cares? Whatever. Like, I'm not going to get all worked up about it. I'm not going to try to fix it. I'm not going to be like, asterisk, this game doesn't count. Oh, I'm saying that for sure. There no. is no way in this, in this earth am I not going to be like, well, game's asterisk now. If that happens, you best believe I'm going to say that. And it, and it, <laughs> and this goes but back to it, But you do it for every game. Because <laughs> you know, I just, always screw something up. I know. I just like, well, you know, this game, when you win, it's going to be asterisks. <laughs> I'm going to put it in my game notes. <laughs> I, I don't, though. Now, I just do cheat. I do intentionally cheat for cooperative games. And I don't feel bad about that, especially when I play with my kids. I have no qualms about that. We, I cheat, I make sure we win. That's just how I roll. I mean, that I'm going to disagree with you on, but I get it. You do you. You do, you do whatever <laughs> makes you happy. I think the experience of playing board games is should be fun, and you need to do whatever is to make fun for the group. Most of the people have fun following the rules because it's a structured dynamic, and I get that. We all agree to follow by the rules. But if people screw up, we're not mad at them about it. No big deal. We move on. Yeah. People do it. It happens. Yep. Yeah. It happens. All right. My number five, let me know how wrong I am. The rules follower. Mm-hmm. Okay. My number four is one I just came up with this weekend and I love it. And I see it all the time. Okay. I call it the self-abuser. So okay. this is somebody who's really down on themselves because like one, they can they don't think they're gonna get the game, and then when they start playing, like they're learning it and they're they're way behind everybody else. So so they're like, oh, I screwed this up. Oh, I messed this up. Oh, I did this. 
um, you, you, you don't like the person that we'll call them the justifiable loser. If they lose, they have to justify that they lost. Yes. You know, and, and I see this a lot, especially like playing with like casual gamers who don't play a lot of board games, but they will dab in heavier board games and then they'll do really poorly, obviously, because they don't play a lot of board games and they just feel like so down on themselves, you know, like, or people who are super into the hobby and, learn a brand new board game, play it with a bunch of people who played it before and obviously do really terrible. And they're just like, so like, they just need to justify it. And I did the same thing. I am not above this. I do the same thing. Oh man. I, I'm just like, I need to find a way to like, tell the group like, no, no, no. I really am an intelligent person. Like you just, you just feel like you feel, you feel really stupid to lose a board game really badly. Like it makes you feel stupid, which is, totally bizarre because you shouldn't feel stupid at all like because you don't know how to earn the most points who cares but like i think we all do this where we just like feel so crummy about doing so poorly and so then we like try to like i don't know you you talk about it the whole game oh i'm doing really poor like you try to like make fun of yourself but really it's it's just not funny you're just complaining about the whole time i don't know you know what i'm saying you know what i'm trying to say yeah, I I get it cuz it's a fine line amongst a lot of different things. There's the there's the losing justification where and I've talked about this how people will be like, "Well, if I had done this, you know, I would have done better and I could have potentially won the game." And it makes the winner feel like they didn't win. You know, it looks like it feels like that the other person lost, that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. I think that's a fine line to walk cuz people who do that are are sometimes the people who are the self-abusers who are like, you know, I'm bad at games and like, I can't believe I do this. And like, uh, here's another game I'm not going to be good at. You know, mm-hmm. it's, and it's difficult. And like, no, we're going to get serious for a second here. Cause my wife is, you know, she's a, she's a therapist. She owns her own counseling practice. So, you know, that, that positive self-talk and that negative self-talk is a thing a lot of people do mm-hmm. and they need to, it's that thing you need to reframe what it is you're saying. Yes. You know, like I didn't mess up, but like this is a learning game and I, you know, it took me a while to pick up on the mechanics and how it all interacts with each other. Yeah. I've, and the thing is like, I feel the same way when I play deduction games. I feel stupid. And it's one of those things that like, yes, I feel dumb, but I understand that my brain doesn't work that way. It just like, I don't play enough of them. I don't, I've, it's not a game. I didn't grow up playing Clue all the time. Bob, like, you I don't pl- need to justify it. It's completely. That's what I'm saying. Like, th- yeah, exactly. So that's <laughs> like, like, I just did it point proven. And I try very hard to like not do that because it's just not a game. It's not, it doesn't click with me and that's fine. Yeah. It doesn't need to. You, it is okay to be bad at games. It is okay to be bad at all games. And it is especially fine to be bad at some games. Like, you do not need to feel bad about yourself because you're losing. You do not need to try to, you know, convince everybody at the table that you're not stupid. Like ever nobody thinks you're stupid, especially if you're learning a new game. You're going to do poorly. You need to go in knowing that and take that pressure off yourself. And and I feel the same way and I don't know of a magic thing I could say that makes people stop feeling about this way, but maybe maybe what you're saying is a great suggestion. Like, oh, I'm really learning a lot. Next time I play, I'll do much better. I can't wait to play it again. Like maybe start saying those more positive things instead of trashing, trash talking yourself the whole game. Like, yeah, 
Yeah. Like, would you, if your person across the table from you, would you think they were stupid for not doing well at the game? No, probably no. not. So don't, you don't get to treat yourself like garbage just because it's you and not everybody else. You need to treat yourself with a little bit more grace. You like, do. You're not a dummy. Because you know what's the worst? The what? worst. This bugs me a lot. When somebody trash talks themselves the entire game. And then wins wins the game. And I was like, I listened to you complain about yourself this entire game. And then you pull a win. So no, do not trash talk yourself. Because if you end up winning, you're going to be a jerk. Nobody likes you. (laughs) You get to trash talk yourself when you lose. So at least wait till the very end of the game to trash talk yourself. Yeah, that that it feels. Oh, man. Yes. It just it's this weird feeling when you have somebody who's just like, whatever like i'm not gonna win anyway i'm doing so badly like uh, uh and then they're like oh i beat everyone by 20 points whoops <laughs> like, do, like yes, <laughs> there's no joy you just lot, took all the joy away from yourself because you don't get any joy in that victory no you can't you complain you can't. about yourself the whole time yeah yeah that the problem with that too so the <laughs> the problem with that is when they're just like yeah this i'm not, i just don't get it like clearly i'm not doing well like all my moves are suboptimal. I'm just not doing great. And then they win. How does that make all the other people feel? Like if you were doing, if you felt like you were doing suboptimal moves, then I don't know what the heck I was doing. It was clearly even less suboptimal than what you were doing. You know, like clearly I'm the dummy. If you thought <laughs> yes. you were dumb and still won the game. <laughs> so as a general rule, don't complain about yourself because if you end up winning, you're going to be a true jerk. And two, like, don't complain about yourself because you don't deserve to be complained about, like, ever, even if you're really, really bad at a game. All right. In seriousness, though, positive self-talk. There's no reason to get down upon yourself. If you're starting to, like, talk down to yourself, reframe it. Reframe it. Yeah. That's just reframe it. If you're going to say, I'm bad at this game, say, you know what? I'm learning how to manipulate these. You know, I'm learning this game. And I'm and I'm gonna figure this game out instead of saying I'm bad at it. Reframe I'm, that. I'm playing with people who are experts in the game. Of course, they're gonna know more than me. And if you're playing with me and you do poorly, well, that's because you're playing with me, and I'm awesome at playing board games. So of course, you're gonna lose terribly. I tell people that all the time, so that way they don't feel bad if they lose. There is a difference between positive self-talk and then being conceited. I should. There's a fine line between that as well, Natasha. Uh, I'm just I, saying. Well, you know, I just try to prepare people so they don't feel bad about themselves. And then yeah, if they beat sure. me, then if they beat me, they get they get the they get that kind of they joy. They get to feel better, yeah. They, get yeah, to, they sure. even get that, mm-hmm. which really it's a gift I'm giving to people. Anytime we play with new players and I, we're playing a game that like I know, you're always just like our goal is to beat Bob. <laughs> <laughs> me and them against you. Yeah, just uh, I don't, I don't it doesn't yeah, it doesn't have to be me who wins, it's just as long as Bob loses. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, that is my number four, the self-abuser. All right, number three, no surprise here. I think everybody would feel this, the complainer. You sit down to play a board game, and they're complaining through the whole thing. They don't like this board game. They don't like this mechanic. This feels imbalanced. This isn't right. This makes it not fun. And we complain about board games all the time. Yeah. But, man, I've had people ruin game experiences for me because they've complained about the game the entire time. It wears you down, especially when it's a game that you are enjoying or it's a game you normally like. And then somebody is just like, yeah, I don't know. I, that just that's busted. I don't you're clearly going to win because you have you. There's just one card that's better than all the other cards and you happen to have it. 
Mm -hmm. Or you went out and went to this area first and I didn't know I should have done that. And and so now I've ruined my whole game because of my first two moves. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, this, mm, I hate it. I hate it so much. It just drags the experience. Like you said, it, it drags the experience down for everyone who's involved in that game. You don't have to like a game. You are allowed not to like it. And you are even allowed to tell people that you don't like the game, but at least say it with a smile on your face to show them that you're still having fun. I don't like this game, but I'm glad I'm playing it with you because I know you really like this game. You know, something along those lines or wait till at the end you can, you know, if somebody asks, you know, at the end of the game, you can be like, well, I really didn't like this mechanic. It's fine to discuss and and like criticize games. I, I love doing that, obviously. But in the middle of a game, if you're constantly complaining and you're like, now I'm out of the game because I didn't do this or I didn't do this. Or this game is just not, it's just not good. Like all that, the complaining about the game specifically, just wait till the game is done and then you can say everything you want. But during the game, it just, for me, like, especially if it's a game that I suggested or I wanted to play and somebody starts complaining about the game, it makes me feel bad. Like, I feel like I'm forcing them to do something that they don't want to do. And it makes me want to pack up the game and put it away. Yeah. Because it, it really makes me, whoever picked out the game feel bad so just keep your mouth shut i think there can be a healthy discussion during game mm-hmm. i know you and i will sometimes do it where we're playing a game and maybe it's a game we're going to review maybe it's not but we'll sit we'll kind of in the middle of the game we'll be like well you know whatever you think about this or what do you think about that or somebody will find a combo in a game and we'll be like man that's a really strong combo those two cards i didn't see that before like that's that's going to generate you a ton of points there's a difference between complaining about the game and mm-hmm having a general discussion during game. Mm-hmm. And we have one friend in particular who will play games and you don't know he doesn't like them until afterwards. And he's just like, yeah, I didn't care for that at all. And we'll be like, well, why? And he'd be like, well, this and this and this, like they just don't, it just doesn't click. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, what the thing is like, I don't know that until after the game is done because he mm-hmm. doesn't bring it up. He just plays, yeah. you know? Yeah. and then. So it just, there's, you can stop complaining about the game. If you don't like the game, just be quiet and take your turns as fast as you possibly can. Yeah. So we can be done. Yes. Don't distract people by the talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can criticize yeah. a game and, and that's fine, You but you have to keep it really uplifting and, and small and very small bites. And if you're not sure how to do that, then just don't and wait till the end to criticize it and give your opinion because you're just going to make people feel bad. And I don't think people realize how damaging that is. Even if it's a game, like even if it's a game I don't enjoy and I agree with them completely, it still makes me feel bad. Except for if it's really bad, then we're like, you're you're good with just calling it. We have done that before too. Yeah. You know, like that's rare, but yeah. This yeah. is not a good game. Everyone's like, yeah, it's really not. And then we're like, we can stop playing. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, let's stop playing. <laughs> and the thing is, like, I, I've done this and I can I have an example I can bring up so people don't feel bad that like, oh, yeah, you guys on your mighty high horses not doing it. No, I've done it and I've done it recently and I've done it to a game that I was really like excited to play. And that was Expeditions. We started mm-hmm. playing that Stonemeyer game and. There was a few things that started bugging me. And to be fair, there was another guy who kind of felt the same way. And I was just like, this is annoying. Like this thing, like calling this thing conquest or what, whatever, like whatever they would call these things that didn't make any sort of sense. I was very vocal about it during gameplay. 
and I could tell it was like affecting you slightly. So I tried calming it down after the fact, but then once the other guy heard like my thing, like we kind of just kept going. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you that soured the experience for you. And for oh, that, totally I'm, did. I'm, yeah, I'm going to tell you this right now, Natasha. I'm sorry. I'm oh, sorry. I'm not mad about. You. I'm not mad about it. But Anymore. it wasn't because I you did you did nip it in the bud. But you know you got somebody else going, and then it kind yeah. of it just it made the whole game unfun. It really did. It was less. It was it was less enjoyable for everyone else at the table because of it. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. Like I'm just as guilty as the next person when it comes to this. Mm-hmm. But I try not to be, especially if there's a game that I don't like. Like I said, I'm just gonna put my head down. I'm gonna make the fastest moves you've ever seen because I'm not gonna care. Yeah, exactly. And read the room. You know, if somebody, if everybody hates it, cool, you can quit playing. But if chances are somebody at the table really likes the game and you're just going to make them feel bad. So like if you, it's not the same complaining about a game. Like when I hear people complain about games, I love is not offensive at all. But if I force them into playing a game and they don't like it, that makes me feel bad, you know, yeah. but after the game is done, they can totally complain about it. And that's yeah. totally appropriate fine. time. There's yeah. an appropriate time to complain. Yeah. 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 Agreed. And I I did pl- play a game at the retreat. I taught the, the lost species to two people that like just hated the game. It was so it went so poorly for them. They did not get it. It was it was laughable at the very end, and they hated it. But they didn't sit there and complain about the game. Like they like very vocally hated this game. At the end, they had like four points to our like thirty points. But it was still a fun experience because they yeah. weren't complaining about the game they were laughing at the game so you can still hate a game get through it have fun not ruin it for everybody at the table you know what i mean yeah agreed it's just it's just just how you do it so you're allowed to hate games you're allowed to make comments you're allowed to make fun of the game you just have to read the room i think and that's difficult yeah you can a a comment here comment there sure but when you do it the entire time, it sours the game experience. Mm-hmm. When you complain about how poor it is, it's like just laugh at yourself and be like, yeah, this, I don't get this. It's, make it a joke and that's fun. The um, the problem too is I wear my emotions on my sleeve. So when I'm not feeling a game, you always look at me and be like, you don't really like this, do you? And I'm like, mm-mm. Then that's fine. You don't have to like it. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's my number three, the complainer. All right. My number two, here I am on my high horse again. Uh-oh. <sighs> A lot of people are not going to like this. So I'm not calling this the collector. I'm calling this the hoarder. So that way you can justify your collection as your collection, however big that is, however much you want it to be, as long as it's within your collection, that is fine. I am talking about the hoarder. And there's a difference between collecting and hoarding. And that line is very different for me versus you versus many other people. You know, could be five, could be a hundred be a thousand whatever that line is for you once you cross it you're now a hoarder and that's very problematic what is the line for you um space i think like how many games i can hold and keep in my space and you and play for me it feels like i'm hoarding if i if i'm keeping a game that i don't play so i think that's the line for me so as long as i have the space i can put them on my shelves keep them nice and neat, and they get played. I'm happy with that. That is such a weird line, too, because you do see it where people have a ton of games and they'll have like a shelf of shame and their shelf of 
well, let's call it a shelf of opportunity. I think that's the new new phrase for it. They keep a bunch of games on that. And I know, uh, I think it's Jamie Stegmeyer, and specifically he was doing something about, people asked about his board game collection, and it's small. And his response is, if I haven't played it in a year, it's gone. Yep. Like, then I'm not going to play it. Mm-hmm. If I keep a game and it's still in shrink in a year and I haven't played it, it's gone. I'm not, there's no reason for me to hold on to it because I'm clearly not playing it. Yep. And the problem gets exponentially worse the more games you have. So if you have 20 games, it's so much easier to play 20 games in a year than if you have 200 yeah. or if you have 1,000. And the higher you get, the more difficult it is to play those games. So like, where is that line for people? You know? Where, like, you know, if you look at your games and feel guilty, then you cross that line. I never look at my games and feel gu- guilty. I look at my games and I just, I just sit in my chair, kick my feet up, and just stare at them. Do you? No. <laughs> you, no, I've, of course I don't. But that's the thing is, I have a lot of games that I should probably get rid of, but I just don't. And part of it is, I'm willing to hold on to certain games if I know I'll play them even if I can justify playing them once every 18, 24 months, I'm probably going to hold on to it. Because there's just certain games that like, I'm not going to bring out very often. Like I have to be in a very specific mood. Like A good example of that is Abomination Era Frankenstein. It's a long game. It's It has that certain theme. Like Teaching it is okay. But it's just a really long game. And most of the time, I just, I'm not, I don't know. I just don't want to play it right now. But it's October. It's Halloween season. I'm itching to play it. So I'm going to play it once a year. I'm going to play it probably around Halloween time, and then it's going to get put away. And I'm not going to think about it again. You know, there's just a handful of games like that. Like, my favorite game is Great Western Trail. I own the original with the expansion, second edition with the expansion, and the two new ones. I'm probably going to keep those because it's it's my favorite game. Like, I like having both of those copies. I think not you- hoarding it. I'm collecting it. <laughs> Whatever that line is for you, Bob... That is fine. Collect it as much as you want. I'll, I'll never be a collector, so I won't relate to that. For, so for me, it is I'm going to play these games. If I can play them at once, if I'm only going to play them once a year, maybe I can borrow them from somebody else. I think for me, I just don't have the need to, to hoard, to keep them. But I see it like people are super into like collecting a whole bunch of games and don't play so many of them. And then they just turn around and sell them so that they can buy more and more and more. And I mean, great. I guess you're holding up the industry, but I think that can be problematic. It's like that FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. And people are always searching for that new hotness. That, I think, is the one downfall of the industry. Like, it is fantastic to be in the board gaming industry. And this might be a tangent that I'm going on. It's a great time to be in the board gaming industry. It's also very overwhelming. Because there's thousands of games that come out every single year. Like at Gen Con, how many releases were there? You know, you're talking, you know, a thousand releases and like some of those and not to mention all the other ones throughout the course of the year. So it's hard to not get excited about the thing. It's like that Kickstarter, like dopamine um, drop. Like when you first see it, you're like, yes, I'm all in. I'm getting this entire thing. And then you forget about it. And then you're not excited about it. Then all of a sudden you get like a uh, shipping up, right? You're like, yes, I'm getting this Kickstarter I backed 18 months ago. Like, I'm so excited. And then you get it and you're just like, you know, it's a massive Kickstarter and you have to filter through all the content until you find the rule book. And then 
you just separate all the expansions and everything like that. It can be that fear of missing out and the fear of like, am I going to miss my net, my new f- number one favorite game? People are okay. always like, you know, chasing that thing. All right. I got a suggestion. Buy the games. Fine. Buy them all. But play them. And then if you don't like them, sell them right away. Because if you put your game up, a brand new game up for sale, you're going to sell it pretty quickly, pretty close to what you paid for it. And if you only play a game once and then sell it, you've still gotten your money's worth, whatever loss you took with buying and selling that game. That is completely fine. Buy the game, play the game, get rid of the game. But don't hoard, don't buy a game, have it sit on your shelf for two years and then never play it. Ever play it. That's what the waste is, I think. And then all of a sudden you've got a hundred games on your shelf that you've never played. That's so overwhelming. You can't keep on top of it. Yeah, it definitely can be. It's the... uh... Have you ever heard of the paradox of choice? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For those that don't, aren't familiar, the concept is the more choices you have, the less happy you are with making said choice mm-hmm. is like the overall arching thing. Like if you have option one, and option two, and you pick option two, you feel way better about the fact that you picked option two as opposed to option one if there's only two options. But if you have 20 options and you pick one number 19, your fulfillment level is a lot lower than if you only have two choices because you always think maybe I didn't make the right decision because of how many choices you have. And I, you feel that in the board gaming industry because there's yeah. just so many games. There's so many, there's just so many games that are coming out. And I know like we've talked about on this podcast that like I've gotten so much more selective about the stuff I buy. Because there's just so many and it's just so overwhelming. So people are constantly trying to like the new hotness, the new hotness. You see these game halls from people going to Gen Con and they buy a hundred games at Gen Con. You know, like honestly, like if that's if that's your thing, cool. I know a lot of people like this is their hobby, this is their thing, this is what they invest in. You know, I just for me, I know people who are in other hobbies. A prime example is I have a buddy who mountain bikes and he can spend thousands and thousands of dollars on one single bike when you start Mm -hmm. getting the frame and you start getting the wheels and you start getting the tires and you start getting the you know shifting and like he told me how much his one mountain bike cost for everything and i was like dude like are you kidding me he's like but this is what i do Mm -hmm. like this is my thing and my one thing and i don't think it's weird that people buy a ton of games i think that's completely fine that you buy a ton of games it's buying them putting them on your shelf and never playing them in getting into hoarding territory at that, at some point you're buying more than you're playing. And that's the problematic behavior. You know, I think if we, if we cycled through games, like you, you're like, you buy a hundred games at, at Gen Con. Cool. And then you got rid of a hundred games. Like, cool. That's fine. It's the hoarding. It's the keep buying and not getting rid of anything. That's problematic. Yeah. It's a fine line being between being a collector and hoarding. There's that line or whatever, and it's different for everybody. It's what makes you feel good. Do you feel good about your collection? Do you feel like a lot of pride in it? Does it make you happy? Does it bring you joy? Then it's worth it. But if it stresses you out or it makes you feel guilty in any way, then you're getting into hoarding territory and that's when it's problematic. And that line is very different for everybody and that is completely fine. We do not need to be on the same page about where that line is. But as long as your collection makes you feel good about yourself, then by all means that's perfect. It should bring you joy. It should make you happy. It should not make you feel bad or make you uncomfortable or cause arguments with your spouse or your family. Like it should be a thing that brings you joy and happiness. 
Agreed. All right. That's my number two, The Hoarder. All right. Uh, all right. What's number one? You know what number one is. My biggest complaint <laughs> in the whole sure. world. I think so. Yeah. Oh, I just late, want to know what you name it. The late turn planner. <laughs> you need to be planning your turn after your turn. You have one, two, three people's extra in front of you's turn to plan your turn. Do not start planning your turn when your turn begins. That is disrespectful to everybody at the table. <laughs> Nobody wants to sit there and watch you think. That's not fun. It's not fun. Oh, man. No excuse. Yeah. No, no yeah. excuse. By the time it comes to you, you should have a plan, a backup plan, and depending on the game, maybe a backup backup plan or a few more other things at your fingertips that you could choose from. You should know what you're going to be doing. If you don't, that's completely fine. Just do something. You, If you do not plan your turn in advance, you forfeit your right to plan your turn. You just have to make a move. Doesn't matter what it is. As long as it's legal, apparently people like to follow the rules. As long as it's a legal <laughs> placement, legal rule, it is fine. Your turn has started. You make your moves. I don't know how I can yeah. be more clear about this. So what you're saying is it's okay to start thinking about your turn at the start of your turn. Is what I'm no. Hearing. That's what you like. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying it's okay if you forgot. But now you've got about five seconds. To figure it out and just do it. That's it. That's it. Everybody, everybody makes mistakes. Everyone forgets, gets, gets distracted. But sorry, you might just make a suboptimal move because you didn't plan your turn out. I think it's the people who have extreme AP and then start their thinking on the process, the thinking process on the start of their turn. There's some grace to this, right? Because how many times have you made a plan, backup plan? You got plan A, plan B, plan C, and you're like, all right, I'm good. And then player, the next player takes plan A, and you're like, all right, I got B and C. The next player takes B, and you're like, that's okay, that's fine. I got, I got C, and maybe I can do something else here. And then player three takes C, and you're like, okay, I need to now rethink all the things that I've been doing. And I've been in the process of rethinking things, but A, B, and C were the things I wanted to do, and they're all gone now, and now I have to rethink it. That happens on occasion. It doesn't happen very often, but there are games where all of a sudden something like that will come up, and you're just like, and oftentimes when that happens to me, I'll be like, all right, I'm sorry. I'm, it's going to take me a second. All my stuff got taken. Like, I need to think about this, mm -hmm. you know? But for the most part, yeah, like, you should be engaged, playing your game, thinking about what it is you want to try to accomplish in the game, and doing those things when it hits your turn. You, there is some grace. I do, a lot, I do have some grace. I have grace for those that are learning a game. And I have grace for the teacher who is teaching the game, because oftentimes when you're teaching, you're investing in everybody else's turn so then when it comes back to your turn you've spent your all your time thinking and helping them walk through the game that you haven't planned out your turn you get all the grace you want you know you were busy during that time you didn't get to think but guess what you're doing right now you're thinking guess what everybody else at the table should be doing while you're thinking games are fine i don't have a problem yeah that's what it is i don't have a problem weird when i don't have a problem when there's one person at the table who does this because everybody can take advantage of that time and think about their turn. And then yeah. everybody else, like player two, player three, player four is like quick, quick, quick. That's fine. But when you get yep. when you get two people that do this 
at the same game, it is just, it drags the game on and on and on. And it's so frustrating. And that's why I love two player games so much, because even if you take forever to take your turn, then I'm instantly taking my turn. Now you're taking forever. But the only reason why I'm instantly taking my turn is because I've thought about my turn while you're thinking about your turn. So it's not like I'm that much faster. It's that I have thinking time when, when you, I didn't give you thinking time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like you're, you're both thinking at the same rate. It just happens to be during the same turn. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and everybody gets it. Everybody gets grace. Like everybody gets a couple turns throughout a game where they forget to be paying attention or things change. And, and that's no problem. It's, it's the behavior. It's the constant behavior. It's waiting until your turn. Okay. What am I going to do? It's the every turn doing that. You got to move the game along, buddy. I don't know if it's through this podcast. But one of the things that has started to kind of like get me a little bit is because we often talk about how we take fast turns. Like we've been saying that a lot is that we take fast turns and we understand that typically we're probably going to take faster turns than the, than the AKA normal person. What something mm-hmm. sometimes bothers me is so we'll be sitting there playing and one person every single ter- time on their turn, they're going to take a little extra time and they're not as fast as let's say you and me. And they're like, I'm sorry. I'm just, I know I'm taking a little bit longer. Stop apologizing. Like I understand yeah. that I take fast turns and that's the way I play. And I understand that I'm in the minority of taking this like super fast turn. Cause I, if there's so many choices at the, that point, I'm just going to make a decision and go with it and hope it works out for mm-hmm. me. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And there's times where I bog down and I'm trying to like think about stuff. Just stop apologizing. It's okay. Unless it's a problem. And more often than not, it's not a problem. I was, that's got to be very confusing for people. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. Here's the difference. Let me explain it. The difference is if you're actively taking your turn, that is fine because you are doing your moves. You're, you're, you're thinking, you know, you're actively taking your turn. It's when you're sitting there staring at the board if you are not moving your hands and it is your turn you are the problem you need to be starting to do something you know if you're doing it slowly thinking it thinking about it did it messed it up gotta redo it i'm cool with however long it takes you to take your turn but i'm not cool sitting there watching you think that's not fun (laughs) That, that that that's that's what it comes down to and if you are like, honestly, like if you are one of those people, one one thing I really do like when people do this, and 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 I I I might be in the minority here. I think a lot of people probably hate it. I like it when people like narrate what they're thinking, because then it's like I'm I'm part of their experience, right? If you're like, okay. I really want to do this, but I can't do this. So I'm thinking about doing this. And and then I'm like, oh, let me help you. Like now I'm in on it. Like I'm going to help you figure out a good plan. Like we're in this together. We're having fun together. If it's all in your head, like I'm staring at you. Bored. You know? And I think that would probably annoy a lot of people, but I have fun with that. Like if you're stuck, like well, talk, let's talk it out. I'll help you. Like I'll give you good advice. You know, I won't, I won't. Um, Are you though? Try. You yeah, lead astray. I mean, it's not always good, but it's it, it, it's it's my best advice. It's I don't advice. know if it's it not is always the good best advice. advice, but it's all in good. It's always in good faith. It's advice. Let's just put it that. <laughs> That's why, uh, like we talked yeah. about it last week. Yeah, the, like, hear it. me out, and yeah, he's just like, all right, hear me out, and like you know, just you know, and again, I you know, 
teased or whatever about it, but it 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 is nice to kind of hear their thought process. I like that too because thinking hearing their thought process allows you to look through the game like you said through their eyes and it gives you an insight on what they're thinking. Right? Because if somebody's specifically taking a, a strategic route that you're not accustomed to taking and they're just like, "All right, hear me out. I'm going to do these things." And you're just like, "Oh, okay." I see how you're putting these pieces together. I didn't see that before and now I can learn from it. You know, so I do I do appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I know you're kind of giving away your hand there, but um I think it's worth it and if your friends are that competitive or they'll like take that knowledge and use it against you then they don't sound like they're very fun to play with. So I would recommend like not using that knowledge against people so that they can trust you and then you can have a more fun experience. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Don't use it against them. Although I did do that to you. We were playing one game. You're just like, I really need this tile. And I was like, then I got to take it from you. Like I was down to two tiles and you had talked about how you were, I think it was wild tiled West. You're talking about how you needed cow tiles. It was. I remember. And it was, yeah, (laughs) you're just the whole time. You're just like, I need cow tiles. And it was the very last round. And there was one cow tile and the dice was on it. And I was like, I mean, I, I got to do it. Like I got to, like, I can't, I can't do that to you. All spare. All spare. You, you get people to gang up on me. I took your tile. It is what it is. Oh, did you need that card? I didn't, but I took it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, I learned my lesson there. I won't share what I'm thinking. Take <laughs> it's probably for the best. Oh, my good stuff. All right. Well, hopefully I didn't lose too many friends here. And I know a lot of people disagree with me and that's fine. I know we can still be friends. So that's okay. And if you're a late turn planner, then we can still be friends, but we just won't play board games together. And that's fine. <laughs> you could play with somebody else. She'll play a game with you. Yeah. Once every like four months. <laughs> yeah. We'll just, yeah. Or I'll make sure that you're the only late turn planner at my table. I can handle one. It's fine. Yeah. That's when you get start getting multiples. That's the problem. Yeah, one time I played Agricola. I think it was like a six-person game. No, it wasn't Agricola. It was a Caverna. Six-person, and there's two people that were super, super slow. Like, notoriously, they're always slow, and they were next to each other, and it was the worst. The worst. I'll never forget that. That was like 10 years ago, or whenever Caverna first came out. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Join us next week. Please help us out by giving us a review and liking us on Instagram or Facebook. And send us your comments or questions. Let me know what you think of my list to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.